Well, good morning. Welcome to the Hills Church at Home. Hopefully everybody is wide awake. It really is. It's like one of those double espresso mornings. If you were up late, I wonder if there was any neighborhood anywhere that was quiet last night on the 4th of July. But we're so glad uh, that you're joining with us or maybe you're even catching up sometime throughout the week. If you go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org, you can download today's message notes, and you can also download the kids' uh, activity sheet. If you're viewing from YouTube, we would love it if you would subscribe, because we found out if you have a thousand subscribers, you don't have to use a camera connected into a computer only. So we'd appreciate uh, um, if you would subscribe as well. And um, even during the message uh, today, if you have a prayer request and you're viewing by Facebook or YouTube, you can comment or, or ask for prayer, or you can do it later. If it's private, you can email us, info at hillschurcharcadia.org, or go to our website and you can fill out the contact sheet. Well, um, so hopefully you've, you're sitting, you've gathered, you have your coffee, you have your Bible. You can actually open to Mark chapter 2. We'll get there in, in just a minute. Mark chapter 2. My title today is Be a New Wineskin. And we're doing a summer series called um, Summer Stories. The stories we're looking at are the parables of Jesus and about... 35% of the time, Jesus taught by parables. He would take a story that would connect with the people of that day, but it had such a deep um, heavenly principle that he was trying to, to teach them. So I want to look at that today. You know, I was thinking through this because we're going to look at old wineskins and new wineskins. If you were to ask anybody in my family, what is the favorite vehicle that we owned? All of them would probably have said we had a 2001 GMC Yukon. We had gotten it. It was two or three years uh, old at the time, and we got it. it. It was like perfect for our family. We could load all of our kids' friends. Uh, it sat seven comfortably, plus all of the storage, all the sports stuff that would be in the back. That Yukon went cross-country twice. It moved with us when we moved from California to North Carolina. While we were in North Carolina, we drove it all the way down to Florida. We drove it all the way up to Washington, D.C., and then we drove it all the way back to California. We probably have more stories in that car, especially with kids and picking them up. But as most things do and things go, it started to get old and it started to, to wear itself out. And we started to have to do, you know, a little repair here, a little there. Then it started getting major. And then we knew that the end was in sight when we had used up all four of our toes from AAA. And, you know, usually it was if Michelle called during the day, my heart would always sink because I would think she broke down somewhere because that's what was happening. It would break down here. It would break down there. We'd have to get it towed. And it was just one of those times we needed something new. In fact, I sold it from our driveway of the house in Anaheim. It would not run, and the speculation when I sold it was it had to be towed the day of that day of the transaction. 
you know, that's just how things go that are cre- created around us or that we've built. They wear out. And though those things might have been our favorite, they seem to wear out. But what's interesting about the Lord and his principles, and even in a conversation I was having with Sam Nicholas, who pastors the LA Gypsy Church, and he used these words. He says, you know what? Everything has been changing around us. We were just talking before we went live that our first live streaming service was uh, on March 22nd, and everything seems to have changed, but we serve a God that does not change. In fact, Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says, For I am the Lord, and I do not change. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We serve and we worship and we follow and we've surrendered our life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He does not change. But what he's done throughout the beginning of of where we start in Genesis up and even to now, but as we read in the Bible, he would take people, but he would change their name. Their name would be changed because of a a new promise. He would change their location of where we live. He would change out leaders. He would raise up leaders. He would add or he would move different family, different places. He was always doing this to get people back on track because people's hearts would shift and go in a different direction. And it would require and cause everybody to remember that God is a God of covenant. He does not change. He does not change his ways. So that's why we follow him. He's our firm foundation. You don't build a house without a firm foundation. He is our foundation and our strength. He does not change. So in a a day or a time of changing, we serve a God that doesn't change. We have his principles that that do not change. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, um, out of the modern English version says this, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Look, all things have become new. Isn't that interesting? The description, you're a new creature. You had old things have been passed away. Look, all things are new. In fact, that's what we're going to look at today is that every day, is a day that we come to the Lord as a day to make a change. Yesterday is over. Today, July 5th, is a new day. In fact, one pastor, he would use this uh, saying all the time. He said, wait, you woke up this morning. It's a great chance to let you know God's not done with you yet. You woke up. You're awake. You're alive. You're breathing. Today is a new day. But what we do is we come to the Lord because all of us need to have that change of heart, that change of perspective. But the change that we look for is we go back to his word because he's a God that does not change. All right, so Mark chapter two, hopefully you found it by now. It's the very first parable that Jesus will use in the gospel of Mark. And he's going to use this parable because, like in many other times, the disciples of John, John the Baptist, and the Pharisees 
are saying that we are fasting and your disciples are not fasting, Jesus. And so Jesus is going to answer them by three quick stories. In fact, here we go, verse 19. So Jesus, in answering their question, uses a parable, but he says, can the friends of a bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, or else the new piece pulls away from the old, and the tear is made worse. And no one puts new wine in old wineskins, or else the new wineskin bursts the wineskin. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined, but new wine must be put into new wineskins. Now that's how Jesus answered those questions about fasting. You know, Jesus would give, he, he could sit and he could talk for an entire hour or a day, probably about how we should love our neighbor, but instead he uses a parable and he talks about the Good Samaritan. He was always looking for a story that would soften even the hardest of hearts to be open to the gospel. So Jesus replies back with a wedding story, a garment story, and then what would I want to look at? The, the new wineskin. The wedding story really is Jesus is going to compare his ministry and his teachings to a wedding celebration. And he uses that example where he says, nobody goes to a wedding feast and decides, you know what I'm gonna do today? I'm gonna fast. I'm not gonna eat anything. I'm not gonna celebrate. No, you go to a wedding to celebrate. You're celebrating the couple. You're celebrating the wedding event. You're expecting to have food. You're expecting to have hors d'oeuvres. You're expecting those type of things. So Jesus is gonna say, my ministry is going to be compared to a wedding celebration. But then he uses the example of a cloth. But here's what we don't really know today. When there's a hole in a garment, you know what we do? We go and take it, we go take it to the Salvation Army. You know, we, we go take it to a thrift store. We don't do what we used to do years ago when there was a hole. You'd get the sewing kit out and, and you'd sew it up or you'd add some material or something to it. We don't do that. But he's going to use an example of that um, somebody would stick a new patch on an old garment, except that new patch was never shrunk. And so what would happen is the hole would eventually come back. In fact, it wasn't just that the hole would come back. It was almost like the whole garment got worse. Jesus is letting them know and he's wanting to let us know, I'm not coming to try just to patch up your old life. I'm coming to give you a complete new garment. I'm not interested in patching up something, patch this, patch that. I'm wanting not to patchwork your life, your old lifestyle, I want to give you a brand new lifestyle, but you only find it in me. Interesting, right? His teachings in ministry like a wedding. He uses that example about uh, the, I'm not looking to patch, just 
patch you up, cover you up, send you your way. No, what, what I'm looking to do is that brand new lifestyle, but it's only found in me. It's interesting that um, some people want to carry the old life into this new, and it doesn't work. In fact, they're enemies against each other. It battles against one another. That's why we surrender the old. That's why we do water baptism. That's the example. We're surrendering the old person. We're putting it under the water. And when you're raised up, it's the example of that new person. It's that heart that's been put old and now becomes new. Jesus doesn't want to patch you up. Jesus sees that new life that's only found in him. Well, then he brings up this story. In fact, let me read the, that last verse again, verse 22. He says, nobody puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine bursts the wineskins. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined, but the new wine must be put into new wineskins. Interesting, right? The new wine must be put into wineskins. Well, here's the explanation of this. We've got wine and we've got wineskins. This would have been the true story in the days of Bible times and before and even after some of uh, our Bible times in our history. Wine was the most common drink for people because the fermentation of the wine allowed for the wine not to be spoiled. You know, they didn't have what we have, the refrigeration, the freezing, things uh, that have been bottled, things that have been canned. Uh, what was safer for them was a fermented wine that they would drink. So it was really the most common thing for them to drink. But the thing to see is this wine skin was a skin that was made out of an animal. And, and there was a process of cleaning the skin, of making sure that it was ready to handle this new wine because the new wine would ferment in the ceiling of the wineskin and it would really kind of inflate when you think of like a helium balloon. But the problem was if you tried to cheat the process, if you tried to cheat the whole process and the, the wine, the old wineskin you might use, it would burst and expand. There always had to be a new wineskin for the new wine. You know, it's an interesting example that Jesus uses because many times we try to think that we can do the shortcuts. We try to shortcut this, the fast track. We use those words, right? Fast track, do this. We don't have time. We don't have time to to read our Bibles. We don't have time to do this. And yet Jesus is talking about you can't have something new in something that is old. And he gives that example. People were probably like, of course you don't put new wine in old wineskin. That thing's going to blow. You've got to always have, you've got to take the time and you've got to have the new wineskin so that you have something drink. So putting new wine unfermented had to be in a new wineskin. Think about that. The old wineskin over time was brittle and rigid, but the new wine in a new wineskin, even under pressure, it could handle it. You know, there's a, a verse in Job where 
Job says uh, these words and gives us that example because this is how they thought back then. For I am full of words. The spirit within me compels me. Indeed, my belly is like wine that has no vent. It's ready to burst like new wineskins. So Jesus uses those three examples. But one of the things for us to remember is today's a new morning. In fact, Lamentations says this, and this is probably the most familiar verse out of the book of Lamentations. And it says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Listen to this. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. They are new every morning. What are new? The Lord's mercies. His word. Though we might read the same story over and over again, over the amount of years, do you know what? When we come before him every day, they're new every morning. Think about his Bible. In fact, one of the verses that can encapsulate his Bible the best is the grass will wither and the flower will fade, but the word of God will last forever. It's the newness of the Lord every single morning. So what does Jesus mean when he talks about being new wineskin? He's talking to us about in this Christian life, we are to be flexible. We've got to be willing to be completely stretched. You know, when Jesus begins to talk about discipleship, it's not an easy process. In fact, he lets us know that it's dying to ourself, that it's daily picking up a cross and following him. The apostle Paul uses those words, crucify your flesh, not just on Friday, daily. It's a daily surrender. It's a daily coming to him. It's daily coming to that new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. I've got to be flexible I've got to be willing to be stretched out. But here's what's more important. I've got to make sure every day that I'm full of his spirit. You know, we don't know the things that lay for us today. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But if I'm filled with the spirit, if I've tuned in to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, He's going to prepare me for the very things that I may face in an hour or two. I've got to be sensitive to the move of the Spirit. Am I listening on the inside? Am I listening to the noise that's taking place on the outside? Or am I listening to the still, small voice? You know, that, that's what happened uh, with Elijah when he was trying to listen to God, it wasn't in the thunder, it wasn't in the earthquake, it wasn't in all the loud noise, it was in the still, small voice. So if Jesus uses the example of the new wineskin, Jesus is letting you know, you need to be flexible. You need to be willing to be stretched. You need to be somebody that's filled with the Spirit daily. You need to be somebody that's in tune, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit day today. But on the other hand, you need to expect that God is doing new things in your life. It's like an unfolding that he's doing new things in your life. 
You woke up today. He's not done with you. He's doing something new in your life. The old yesterday is gone. Today is a new day. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Tune in. When you read your Bible, don't read your Bible to read to get done. Read your Bible in listening to hear what the Spirit would say to you. Listen to his truth. You know, I, I was thinking through, and you know, again, since um, March and even before, as things have even changed in our society, I'll think through things like this. If I was a restaurant owner, how would I be needing to make changes? What would I be needing to do? How would I adapt so that I could succeed? You know, when we think of our our Christian life here, and we have this changing culture that seems to be uh, around us, it seems to be uh, loud, it can seem to be confusing. Here's what we go back to. We serve a God that doesn't change. The voice that he's put in us lives on the inside of us. He's given us his words, his covenant, his instructions by which to live by every topic, every subject, everything that's been known to mankind is in the Bible. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. The things that we're facing today in our time is nothing new, though we've got technology and things to do. People have struggled forever, but we don't have to struggle when we know that we have a God that we serve that's sitting on the throne, that's given us his words, that's placed in us the Holy Spirit, but are you going to him daily? Are you sitting at the feet of Jesus to listen? Are you listening to that still small voice? Have you put away the old wineskin and said, you know, today I'm gonna start, I'm gonna be the new wineskin. I know I'm gonna get stretched and I've gotta be flexible but I'm going to listen in. That's the importance of the day that we're living in, that we're flexible and we're tuned in, not tuned out to listen to what the Lord has done. God is always on the move. He is always at work. Though we might not see certain things, that's why we tune in to listen to what he's doing. You know, Jesus said this, very interesting. John 14 when Jesus begins to talk about that in my father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. So he's telling the truth. If it wasn't, so I'm not just telling you that there's uh, many rooms in my father's mansion. If it were not so, I would have told you. But then he goes on and he says this. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, you know this, I'm gonna come back to get you. I was thinking about that. I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Jesus has been preparing a place now for over 2,000 years. Think about it. He's preparing for us. He's preparing for you. And you wonder, what is taking so long? What type of preparation could be underway? But here's what the most important question is. Are you prepared to meet with him? 
Because he's preparing for you. He already came to lay down his life. His life was raised back up. He's already extended to you salvation. He told them in John 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you, but the most important question that you're ever going to answer and answer for is, did I prepare myself to meet him? You know, we started with that verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Think about it. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The Bible says that about you. Old things have passed away. Look, all things have become new. You can be a new creature and you can also put away all of those old things. In fact, that's what we're told every day. We're to lay the old things down, the old part of the flesh that we're new in him. So if you have not been prepared to meet Jesus and he's been preparing for you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. In fact, Romans 10, 9, and 10 says that if you confess Jesus with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's the connection to if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Pray this prayer with me if you would. It'll be on the screen or if you're listening uh, by our podcast, pray along uh, with me as well. Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for me. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. And today I begin my relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus went to prepare a place for you. Now, if you prayed that today, you've prepared your, yourself to meet him. If you prayed that for the first time, would you respond back if you're on social media today or email us at info at hillschurcharcadia.org because we want to celebrate with you and we want to connect with you. It was the most important decision that you'll ever make. Well, as we receive our tithes and offerings, we want to thank uh, everyone that's been so faithful in supporting the ministry. We're excited on the other end because we have been preparing our campus right before uh, we were uh, available to go back and meet. We've been preparing the campus, getting things ready, and we'll be announcing a date of really a grand opening uh, and us not only getting a lot of infrastructure things ready, but our campus ready as well. But I want to read Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. And it says this, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all of your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Interesting how it starts. Honor the Lord with your possession. In our, our giving, our giving is not to honor a ministry. 
It's not to honor anything. It is in full honoring of the Lord. He has asked in his word for us to do that. So we honor him with our possessions, with the first fruits of our increase. And notice the two examples, if I'm thinking in Bible time, in, in Proverbs, in the time of Solomon, that my barn will be filled with plenty, grain, hay, alfalfa, all, all of those things that they would need. And notice the vats are overflow with new wine. Notice what both of these represent. There was a great harvest that took place because in that harvest, the barn got filled and the vats of wine got filled. But you know what it was connected to? It was connected to the person that honored the Lord with their possessions and the first fruits of their increase. The results were an overflow of harvest. So think about that as we pray today. And would you pray this prayer with your heart and believe this, that as you give, that God is doing those exact things as he said, because remember, God doesn't change. This isn't something old that got thrown out. This is something that he continues to do. So pray this with me. As I give in today's offering, I honor you, Lord, with the first part of my income and with all that you put into my hands. All I have and all I possess is already yours. You are the giver of all good things, and I give to you my first and my best. I hold nothing back, and I give to you of my tithe and my offering willingly and joyfully. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're giving uh, today, you can give online. You can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org, and you can click on the Give button. It's fast, it's safe, uh, and it's secure. Or if you're giving by mail, you can mail it to The Hills Church, P.O. Box 661419, Arcadia, California, 91066. We thank you for your support, and we're anxious to hear and to see what God does in your barns and in your vats. You know, remember, every Wednesday night, we do a Wednesday night gathering, uh, and we take time to connect, pray for one another, hear what's going on in people's lives, a short little uh, devotion, but we do communion. Jesus said, as often as you do that, take time and remember me. We do it every Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. We do it for about a, a half hour or so. Really encourage you to be a part. If you've not heard of that before, email us, uh, info at hillschurcharcadia.org to make sure that we have you on our email list. And as we do at the end of every uh, our live stream, our service, I want to read Psalm 121, 1 and 2, one of the worship songs on our playlist today, I had not heard that part in it, but they end up praying out of this verse and out of the New Century Version, it says this, I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Your help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth and a God who doesn't change 
who uh, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, who deposits his spirit in you to live out these days with him walking alongside of us, inside of us. The Lord bless you. Have a great day. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon.